0: Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey there, Get to Vet, Trevor Maxwell here. We're back. Uh, We took a little hiatus last week and uh, joining me today is a very distinguished looking co-host of mine. Yes, I am.
1: Got my college shirt on and everything. My just rocking my post Navy tire, let my hair grow out a little bit. I actually got a haircut yesterday. So this is a little bit shorter. Well, my kids kind of ragged on me for so long. I went and got it because they said I look terrible.
0: So yeah, yeah it's parted yeah. and everything. And you got Not, the glasses.
1: Yep. Yeah, looking uh, I look like I have uh, a higher IQ than what I actually have.
0: Meanwhile, I look like a hobo who just, you know, <laughs> asking for change around 7 Eleven. But, uh, <laughs> But I think our other guest today puts us both to shame. She's a serial (laughs) entrepreneur. Um, She's kind of a heavyweight in the podcasting world. And on top of that, she's one of my U.S. Vet Wealth teammates and her kind of specialty, the the field that she works around a lot. um, I definitely wanted to bring her in today because she deals with military spouses a lot. And that's a huge part of, of the transition process you know, I talk to a lot of people that are getting out and they don't really include their spouse in it and they don't know what's going on. And I think that's a big mistake. Um, but I wanted to bring her on today to talk about it and I'll let her kind of talk about herself a little bit. Jen Amos.
2: Yeah. Well, Trevor and Mike, thank you guys for having me on. Um, I'm a fan of the show (laughs) Uh, and just, you know, super proud of you both for uh, putting this together and also co-hosting. I think it's more fun to do a show when you can banter with someone else. So, you know, just kudos to you, to you both. And, um, you know, Trevor is a is a great colleague of ours of Scott and Mines, and you know, also thanks to him, we we have a place to move back to in in, uh, in Norfolk, Virginia. So, you know, thank you, Trevor, for that. Um, but yeah, you know, you're very kind uh, with my intro. Um, I uh, I do host a podcast show called Holding Down the Fort. It's an award-winning podcast show, and it is dedicated to our uh, military families. Particularly um, as the seasons have gone on, we have. Uh, evolved or I would say refined and refined our focus more toward career military families and seasoned spouses, uh, just because um, just because and and it it actually kind of aligns with, um, you know, my co host who is a career military spouse, um, and also the work that we do at US Fed Wealth is very uh, career military family focused. A part of why I decided to focus on military spouses specifically, um, I you know, I actually identify as a veteran spouse. I met Scott after he had served. But I was, uh, I was actually born into the military. I was a military child. My parents or my dad joined the U.S. Navy in the 80s and 90s. And um, I lived that military child life, moving around every two to three years. And uh, until, uh, unfortunately, about a decade in when I was 10 years old, my my dad passed away. Um, we actually don't know what had happened to him. He went missing in sea, uh, somewhere between Japan and South Korea, and this was back in 1998. And um, it was a very sudden transition. Uh, my dad was 18 and a half years into service. He was he was right there. You know, like actually Yokosuka, Japan, was his last place he was going to be uh, stationed at before he retired. And so from that moment, our, our, our family catapulted into, uh, you know, civilian life and being a Gold Star family. And I would just say that, you know, having watched my mom uh, just hold it together, <laughs> you know, for the 20 plus years uh, following, I'm, I'm 33 now. And, you know, that was 20 years ago. And it's only in the recent years, having worked with US Vet Wealth and doing this podcast show where I could really unpack what that first decade of my life was really about. And it was really about the resiliency of my mom, you know, so I, I really, that's really where my heart is. And also because, you know, working with people like Trevor and Scott, um, you know, our team is made up of veterans. <laughs> and and so I felt um, like it was my sense of responsibility to show up and represent military families and giving them a voice, especially when it comes to financial planning. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. So
0: yeah, I mean, I, I like the show. I, I listen to it. Um, I, there's a few... Ev- podcast that I actually listen to religiously and, and yours is one of them. And oh, I think it, it gives a good perspective to, uh, you know, not only are you out there highlighting all these different spouses who are doing different things, but kind of like what you're doing, uh, you know, what we do here, trying to share information. Um, you know, I got a, a new connection on LinkedIn the other day. Uh, so the senior enlisted air force per and, You know, she was like, hey, you know what, I have been listening to every one of your episodes, and I always get something good out of it. And, you know, thank you guys for doing that. And I gotta tell you, you you know, that, you know, for people who are getting out, and they want to find some kind of sense of purpose and helping out, you know, doing whatever. um, Don't do a podcast, because we've already got that. We don't want any competition. (laughs) But uh, no, it's, you know, sharing the information. And I, I tell you, man, it feels really good when you have people reach out to you like that and tell you like, hey, you know, thanks. I appreciate what you're doing. So, And I, th- I think what you're doing, too, is equally important for military families, because that's something that, you know, we, we focus so much on the service member during this process. We forget like, hey, there's other people there besides them that, that you know, they have concerns that need to be addressed as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, it, you're not when you transition out of the military, it's not from, it's not going from one corporate job to another, it's going from one lifestyle to another. And it's not just a service member's transition. It's the spouse's transition. It's the kid's transition. You know, it's a, it's a family transition. Um, and it's a communal transition because the people that were in the military community with you, you part ways, you know, you end up living in different places and you don't have that same camaraderie. And a lot of people you know, my, my co-host Jenny Stroop often mentions on our show that, you know, less than 1% of the American society actually serves. Um, and, and a very small, small percentage of that are military spouses. And so you know, it's important to understand that the majority of Mer- of America literally doesn't know, <laughs> like they don't understand what it means to be a military family. And so, yeah, it is very easy to, you know, look at um, the military as sort of one dimensional and looking at the service members specifically. And you know, maybe every stereotype, you know, your GI Joe stereotype, you know, that goes with it. But again, there's families, and there are it's so diverse. Like that's one thing I I love about the military community and why I continue to come back is because, you know, it systematically, you know, you, it is diverse and you have to get along, you have to work together, you know, to survive. And that's sort of why I like it, but yeah, just bringing, bringing the spouses to the spotlight because they, you know, very often, even though the benefits are because of the service member, um, the spouse benefits from it, especially something such as a survivor benefit plan. But very often because you, you have the word survivor, in survivor benefit plan, you think of that morbid, morbid, morbid talk of like, oh, I gotta do a will, I gotta do yada, 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 and you put it off. And if you don't have enough education um, about it, you, you naturally keep it. Cause you know, if it's not broken, if it's not, um, you don't fix what's not broken, right? And so being able to put the spouse in the spotlight and have them understand, you know, fully what it means to let's say have something such as a survivor benefit plan um and also understand what resources are available for them it's just a very important part of me to you know contribute and add to the overall narrative of the military community
1: yeah you bring up great points there's it's such a spider web of things to navigate from the the military member and the separating or retiring service member and we're pretty familiar of it be, with it because it's talked about a lot in our networks. And, you know, we know folks who've gotten out before us. And so we kind of learn a little bit of lessons and learn from their mistakes a little bit on the way out on what, what to do and what not to do. But, you know, you start thinking about and bringing up great points about the survivor benefit plan and those types of things. You know, I got stumped the other day by my VSO. After she told me my rating and everything, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. awesome. You know, she's like, yeah, but you need to look into this, make sure your wife's educated on these other things. And I thought I was like, well, I never even knew about this. And I'm a 30-year retired Navy master chief. And I mm-hmm. didn't know about the some of the stuff to navigate within the VA system that my dependents still might be entitled to, even right. upon my passing, based because of my rating, you know, and those types of things. It, it's and if you're I mean, you, you know, you almost have to put uh, an SOP, <laughs> you know, upon upon my death, open up to page one and follow the steps. Because <laughs> right. if you don't, I mean, I can't imagine how many spouses or dependents that are in America, in the United States or wherever of retired or separated service members who have the rating that, that Trevor and I have. That are not taking advantage of some of these things that we're talking about, or some of these things we've been educated on here recently, and it's right. probably years, if not decades, that they could be, you know, drawing on some of those resources that probably could have helped them out a heck of a lot.
2: Yeah, you're talking. Oh, go ahead, Trevor. Oh, uh, I
0: was going to say you're talking specifically probably about the VA dependency indemnity compensation. Exactly. Yeah. So for those of you guys who aren't familiar with that, and and maybe we'll we'll do an episode just on that too. Uh, some of the the hidden, whatever we call them, hidden tricks, tricks up their sleeve. Uh, it's, it's basically in similar fashion to the survivor benefit plan. It's a payment that goes to your spouse. If you're, you know, there's, I'll have to go back and read all the, the literature on it again, but basically if you get a certain VA rating um, and you die and you, it's another payment that goes to your family and there's a base amount. I think it's like, I want to say it's like sixteen hundred a month. Last I looked, and then you can get some more for kids at certain ages. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely have to be sure to put more information out there about that. Because again, yeah, you're right. That's something I didn't find out about until well after I retired too. Right. So, you know, people don't know what they don't get, uh, or don't you know they don't get what they don't hear about. Um, yeah, yeah. So I that, know,
2: like, I also want to add that I think part of the lack of um i guess the lack of motivation to want to seek out this information uh for spouses and families is you know i i think that maybe they don't want to feel like they're milking it (laughs) in a sense like they don't want to feel like oh i'm not just you know i'm not part of the military just so i can you know milk the benefits i I think there's sort of maybe a sense of pride of of self-sacrifice in the community and so i think that has a lot to do i think that Plays into why a lot of a lot of spouses don't invest in knowing what the benefits are. So that's something to bring up as well. It's like it's not that I think I think there's that sense of pride of like, well, I'm serving my country, you know. But it's like, well, exactly, like you deserve all this. But again, I I don't think there's enough talk about that and encouragement for spouses to want to know what they could benefit from should anything happen. Yeah, yeah I think it's it. the
1: what's the spouse imposter syndrome that we all, you know, we we all come to grips with especially on the way out you know that, that you know some days my worst days are that bad some days you know so when you're doing your claims and things like that we, we preach about this it's not your best day it's your worst day because the fact of the matter is it's not going to get easier to get out of bed when you're 59 or 69 or whatever so I have to you know you have to take that stuff into account and and we all you know I don't know I know very few people that ever deployed without some ache or pain or injury, you know, we just sucked it up and we did it because that was our job and I don't want anybody else to deploy in my spot. But, you know, we do develop these, you know, and I think you bring up a great point. People will think, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going out for handouts. No, it's right. not a handout. You're entitled to it. Right. So, and it's, and you know, you're just a, you know, the spouse is just as much of a, a part of the team than anybody else is. So, take those entitlements, educate yourself, you know, about those things and go after them because you are entitled to them just like everybody else is.
2: Yeah. And I want to talk about sort of the, the ramifications of holding on to that pride. So as I mentioned, I'm a, you know, I'm a gold star daughter. And I think that the, the thing that I feel most robbed of after in post-military life is not necessarily like the loss of my dad, but the time I could have spent with my mom my mom had a hustle. I mean, when when we transitioned out, she was, you know, raising three kids under 11, like 11, 10 and six. And she was always gone. And we always were sent off to be with relatives. I mean, fortunately, we had relatives and everything, but just that emotional availability and kind of the nurturing that um, I think a mom should give you is something that I feel like I had missed out on because mom had to just, you know, turn on and you know, be the provider, the the mom and dad of the family. And, you know, I, I I know that there are a lot of families who are very fortunate to like that, they'll never experience that. Um, but money can help, you know, that transition, you know, that's one less thing you can worry about in, in military. And when you transition out is where, where's your next paycheck going to come from? Why do we transition out? We want to spend more time with our family. We want to, you know, like, redefine ourselves, we want to pursue different dreams and passions, but if you are not educated with the benefits that the military gives you that's so unique compared to our civilian counterparts you know, you're doing a disservice to you and your family. And so I want to speak from that perspective as well, for the even for the spouse to understand that, like, this is, this is more than just you. (laughs) Like, this is beyond you. This is your family. You know, these are your kids that are what you know, that are, you know, hopefully crossing fingers aren't going to resent you, (laughs) you know, later in life and have to go through a ton of therapy to be able to, you know, come to a place of acceptance. But yeah, I think I think it's worth mentioning that as well. and, And why it's important to look past your pride and realize, you know, this is more than just you.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, because when people were transitioning out, say stuff like that, <laughs> basically to anybody, they said that they was a veteran. They're like, yeah, that's, that's dumb, dude. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> like, trust me. Like, I, I don't know any veterans that say, no, don't, don't do your VA claim. Don't take care of all this stuff. Right. Um, but I, on I, the flip
1: I, side, we know people who decided "No, nah, you know, screw that I'm not going to do it yeah. or I'm not going to that does not really hurt today or they, they they don't really like we I think when we talked to Mark Overberg it was like the difference yeah. between you know gaming the system and playing the game are completely two different things mm-hmm. you know my opinion gaming the system is researching the CFR 38 and going on there and going okay well I know there's not a test for this and I could potentially get a percentage for it so I'm going to put this BS ailment in there that I don't have any documentation on and I'm going to swing for the fences on it, where, you know, playing the game is understanding the way the system works and not exploiting it, but getting your full entitlement. And I tell you, I, I've seen, I mean, my, my my coach at the the Honor Foundation, you know, still trying to catch up with his VA rating. I was talking to him mm-hmm. today on a text. And I've seen many guys in the generation prior to me, and especially the EOD community, guys that were, you know, they didn't go to combat, you know, like a lot of us did. Mm -hmm. So when they were separating right before the wars kicked off or right around, you know, maybe it was the beginning of Iraq or Afghanistan, and they weren't involved in a combat role, they got out and they're like, well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing those things, or I wasn't involved in that and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is they've jumped out of planes for, you know, sometimes decades, they've done very deep dives repeatedly, they've been exposed to blasts, and all those other things that need to be taken into account with your, you know, your VA claim. And, and we see it, I've seen it time and time again. And, you know, you think about 10, 20 years of missed benefits, Mm -hmm. where they could have maybe put their kid through chapter 35, or, you know, through like Virginia, you you, in state tuition, and, and all those depending on your state, you know, property tax uh, exemptions and some, you know, the vehicle now in Virginia, all those things are there for a reason for us to, you know, it's it's not a reward. It's, it's a, an entitlement. And right. is, I think there's a completely different um, framing and mindset you got to approach it with.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think there's just this general um, feeling of self-sacrifice. Like, Just like you know, just like what you said, Mike, I definitely know someone um in particular that they were like, oh no, I don't, I don't deserve that, or I like I didn't put I didn't, you know, I I didn't lose an arm. I didn't whatever. Like I, you know, but for me, for me, it's like anyone who's willing to voluntarily sign up for the military (laughs) is entitled, you know, because you're you literally are signing up for the potential to lose your life. Like you are putting your life on the line for your family, for your nation, you know? And so I, yeah, I like how you call it an entitlement. And I think that more uh, veterans and military families and spouses should see that as such, like you are entitled to that. And so you should be aware of that. And there's no reward in, you know, proving how much you can self-sacrifice, like, you know because that ends up costing someone else, someone in, you know, one of your loved ones of an opportunity for, like you mentioned, maybe to go to school or what have you, like you are entitled to that and you should know that and you deserve it. You know, I, I, again, I think that there's just this feeling of like, I don't, I think when people self-sacrifice, they also feel like they're not deserving of certain things. And I just want to say, you do deserve it. Like you signed up to potentially lose your life. Like, remember that you deserve it. You're entitled to this stuff.
1: And since we're talking along the lines of spouses too, I'd really like to bring up, you know, some. There were candid conversations I had with my my wife, probably starting around 2016, when I started thinking about off-ramping from the military or just kind of strategizing what's the next steps. And, mm-hmm. you know, I started talking to her about the VA compensation and those types of things. And she was adamant about it. She's like, you are not disabled. This is absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You were taking advantage of these things. And I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second, you know, because it, it's not about where Necessarily where we are right now. It's, you know, what if I can't remember? You know, there's a good chance that a lot of us that have taken these blasts and things like that, we're going to need some help later on. They're going right. to need some help. So that's what this is about. And if you don't do it now, you're going to be, you are growing upstream without a paddle. I'm telling you, because you're, yeah. you're looking at, you know, years to potentially get what you really deserve, you know, your true entitlements. And so it was a battle at home for me, you know, and, and, and my wife is, she's straight and narrow, you know, that, you know, she may speed a little bit here and now here and then, but you know, she's stopping at all the red lights and not very rarely running yellow. So, you know, it was was a tough conversation to have with her to get her to understand, Hey, I'm not defrauding the government. I'm not being dishonest with the, the, the things that I'm presenting. And, and she finally came around and said, okay, I get, you know, get what you're saying, but yeah. it, it was a little bit of a battle at home about that.
0: Well, you know, it's, uh, actually, you know, this last weekend, Mike and I found out that one of our former commanding officers just passed away mm. and he couldn't have been, what was he in his mid fifties? Yeah.
1: If that, I think yeah. uh, mid to late <laughs> at the most,
0: Wow. you know, and I, I believe I'm, I'm not sure. I know he had kids. I don't know how, I don't know how old they were, but still, I mean, that's you know, his wife, you know, she's more than likely got, you know, several decades beyond that. And, you know, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't know what the particulars are, but you think about that. Well, yeah. Okay. What, what if, you know, we always want to plan for the worst and hope for the best, right. You know, what if we, we, we do are gone tomorrow. How do you protect that? Like what they're going to get. And then of course, the other thing that we talk about too, because, You know, Jen's husband, Scott, who I work with, was on here talking about this survivor benefit plan a long time ago. It's like, okay, what if you also live to be 85 years old? So, but yeah, I I heard that news over the weekend and I was like, man, that, I mean, he, he had to have been probably in his mid 50s. And, you know, where do you go from there? So I think, you know, for me, like you're almost like when you're doing the transition stuff, you're, you're kind of doing a little bit of, uh, of planning for, you know, the rest of your life, including like, even if that's not very long.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I'm hearing and what I've been observing is, you know, self-sacrifice is definitely one of the words, but also, you know, ego. It's like, there's this, I, I just think that if we can somehow find a way to work past our ego and allow ourselves to look at what we're entitled to and um, also not just looking at looking at it from a point of life or death decisions. Um, that that's why we created a new campaign called the Spouse Benefit Plan. It's our positive take on the Survivor Benefit Plan, um, and and beyond. It's it's actually more than that. But part of like what we're trying to say is that you know rather than think about the morbid talk of death, let's look at you know the benefits that you have today as a spouse. You know, and and so I think that there's uh, some language that we together you know as a, as a community and, and even amongst us us three here to find a way to you know kind of cut through cut through that and be like you know you are entitled to this and it's important to get educated because it's not just about you it's about your spouse it's about your kids and if you don't if you kind of hold on to that ego and pride and you know pride to self-sacrifice you know I think that you're you're sending a message to your loved ones that you know they're not deserving of certain things either, um, and so really think about that. I, and and I'm, not, I'm not talking to you two directly. I'm just I'm really speaking more to the listener who's listening to this conversation. It's like it, it is. It's more than you. It's the example you set to your loved ones and the generations that follow. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was on my on my mind <laughs> as, as I hear you guys talk.
1: One of the things I'd like to kind of pivot from, you know, what we'll, we've we'll kind of sit around here the last several minutes, and I'll use one of my, you know, another C story of mine when I was stationed at little Creek and I was selected to be the command master chief of VOD school. My wife teaches for a local university here in Norfolk. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, of course she's like, all right, we're going to Florida. Let's go, let's do it. Uh, but I want to try to stay on with the university and continue teaching because that's her passion. So we, we, well, I say we, but more, more like she put forth several different courses of action in ways to stay on board the university while she was in Florida to include flying up here on her own dime, um, doing things you know like that to where the, the university wasn't going to compensate her at all with regards to travel and the time that she'd spend up here in Norfolk doing face-to-face stuff and they shut it down completely. Yeah. They said, no. So when she got to Florida, And Niceville, Florida, no kidding, is a town called Niceville in Florida, and it's on the panhandle between Pensacola and Panama City. Well, there, if you I think it's called the Northwest Florida University or something like that, and it's not even remotely the scale of Tidewater Community College, if you're familiar with the Norfolk area. So when you're talking about higher education, and she's in Niceville, Florida. There's not a whole heck of a lot for her to do there. And, you know, we're not tied into the Air Force family network and spousal support and all that. We're a Navy family coming in to work at Naval School Explosive Ordnance Disposal. And we're only there for a certain period of time. So I think as she went out to try to find other types of employment just to stay busy, there were a lot of people that didn't want to invest the time, money, and effort into training someone, you know, her level, she has an MBA. They didn't want to bring her on board because they know there's an expiration date on her, like the, you know, the carton of milk that's in the refrigerator. So there was a, I think there was a bias there, you know, and eventually, like I told her, as soon as we got to Florida, I said, you know what, they're, they're likely going to call you up within six to 12 months and, you know, practically dragging you back up here to go back and teach the university because they're gonna realize the talent that they let go. And I was, you know, somehow I was spot on, but that that's, you see that a lot. And then you see like the spouses who are very well-educated that follow the service member, you know, everywhere they go and, and bring the family and the kids and everybody along with them. And they shelve their their careers for sometimes, you know, decades. So, yeah, we had a little technical difficulty there, thanks to the great state of West Virginia that Trevor and I are (laughs) uh, are from. We
0: we forgot to mention that Jen is an honorary uh, mountaineer. So,
1: (laughs) yep. And she is near like the farm that I used to have and where my family farm was at. So, and having been back to West Virginia just this past weekend in Davis and Canaan Valley area, and up into like the Dolly Sods and the National Forest area, you can go for
0: hours. And not have cell service. It's great. It's, and it's awesome.
2: It's like <laughs> that's a great instead way to of, put it.
0: <laughs> instead of you living in a van down by the river, you're living in a barn down by the mountain. Yeah, right? it's so, true. Which sounds like a dream.
2: Yeah, it, it's been it's been uh, you know, interesting to say the least, uh to have no data and to be completely dependent on Wi-Fi. So that has been a very interesting experience. I'm going to leave it at that interesting
1: <laughs> and it's and it's usually at an extremely fast data rate of like dsl plus because yeah. the the we stayed at the timberline uh ski resort and the house that we were in uh, their condo that we stayed at the wi-fi was terrible it was it was yeah. dsl minus
2: oh, man. Uh,
0: so <laughs> there's still parts of west virginia that are using 1g uh,
2: wow yeah. <laughs> i don't know i just
0: made that up <laughs> there, I probably mean,
2: you're probably right
1: <laughs> when we drove from davis and got a little bit south i took 33 back towards harrisonburg or yeah harrisonburg and there, there were at least an hour hour and a half where we had no cell service whatsoever and you yeah. see just you know there's there still people that live in these areas and it's awesome i mean it's absolutely beautiful the mountains and everything but they have no cell service. I mean, yeah.
2: they
0: you that. truly have landlines. <laughs> you got that yeah. national uh, quiet spot there around Sugar Grove, yep. where they're listening for aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, I
2: thought aliens yeah. was a desert thing. I never. I well, never thought I think they
0: look different. for them in the desert too. But uh, yeah. yeah, I guess. They're probably like, look, if the aliens do come, they're going to go to that spot, and who gives a shit if, <laughs> if you know, they wipe out all those hillbillies there, right? I get it. There's
1: only about ten of them. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. probably
0: going to put up a good fight anyway. They'll so. probably get get a couple though. Like, <laughs> I took one of them UFOs out. I'm going to tell you what.
2: <laughs> That's why they go to the desert.
0: <laughs> <'Cause> yeah,
2: buddy. <laughs> oh. uh, so um, yes, yeah, well, to get uh, back on track yeah for sure well Mike from what I heard you're sharing the story about your wife and how it could have been it would have, it was difficult for her to let's say transfer her license and more importantly even get a new one because of the sh- the short time span you know that you guys would have stationed um, in Florida I believe you mentioned yep yeah and you know that is the concern of a lot of military spouses is not being able to transfer you know their their licenses, their credentials, their education to, you know, wherever they get stationed to. And so it, it actually reminds me a lot of my co-host, Jenny Lynn, where, I mean, she was a teacher um, at, in a, um, actually I might get this wrong. I don't know if she was a teacher in Norfolk or, or Suffolk, but um, very much the Virginia, the Hampton Roads area, she was a teacher there. And, you know, when her and her husband started to PCS and go to, you know, move to the East Coast or the West Coast, for example, Um, she couldn't use her license, obviously. (laughs) And it would have been a lot of work to um, really get, you know, get that license again, at least for California, knowing that they were going to PCS again. And so um, I think, I think it only, I think it's, it's like, how do I want to describe this? Um, It only takes so long and so much self-sacrifice before you start asking yourself the question, like, is this worth it? You know, like, is this worth it? And, and also, like, how much longer am I going to do this? And without, you know, studying the the what I'm entitled to, you know, because in many of those situations, um, she could, you know, when I think about, I mean, fortunately, Jenny Lynn was able to, um, you know, find another career in another completely different field. But um, I think that if we are well aware of what we're entitled to, we can at least with a the spouse, they can, you know, learn to, um, evolve what they have accumulated in regards to their professional background to maybe something else different, if not better. Like I, I at least know with Jenny Lynch troop. She's like, I never saw myself being involved in the mental health clinic or mental health industry or field, but you know, it's because of the military that I have found a love for it. And, and otherwise she would have stuck being a teacher. So that's sort of what, that's what comes to mind for me when you're sharing, um, a little bit about your wife's story, and you know, um, you could either sit there and and you know, kind of feel you you can be in that situation, and um, not I'm not going to say like play the victim, but feel de- uh, more like feel defeated, or you know, you can educate yourself on what you are entitled to and see you know what of those resources you can use to evolve um, your profession into something maybe even greater.
0: Yeah, I um, I mean. I kind of, I think my wife, she's she's kind of the, uh, she's kind of balling. So <laughs> now that I'm retired and I can work from wherever I want. Yeah, that's all I do. I have to, you know, stay marginally fit, keep the butt tight, keep coming, keep the, keep the jokes rolling, try not to have any more incidents like our porch beers night. Yeah, and, it's been uh, a while try not to die on a golf course.
1: (laughs) I'd say we're due, but let's not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll just, we'll have some hot chocolate or something, but um, well, you know, one of the other things I wanted to talk about um, too. you know, in addition to the spouse benefit plan, you kind of gave me another, uh, an idea as we were talking too for a project that you and I are uh, going to be doing here pretty soon too. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, talking about, Hey, how do we spread information about this stuff? And I don't want to sound too much like a seal. Uh, but, you know, I was thinking like, Hey, I should write a book. Right. Cause Scott's written a few books and he's like, yeah, yeah. i write all these books on stuff. And I pass them out to people all the time. And a lot of people read it and they're like, Oh yeah, that's, that's really cool. But I was like, you know, looking at kind of a more generalized basic one on personal finance and eventually I just came to the conclusion. I was like, you know what? There are so many people out there that have books on this. I don't want to write a book on it anymore. So I started talking to Jen about this because she wanted to do something for the spouses. Mm-hmm. And, and what we came up with was an idea that, that she and I are going to be working on called Military Money Mistakes, where we're going to record a podcast. My guess is the, the first season will be 12 to 15 episodes where we just have discussions about some of the big mistakes that a lot of military families make when it comes to personal finances because you know if there's one thing that I think I'm better than everybody else up is screwing stuff up and learning the hard way so <laughs> <laughs> the good thing is I try I tend to not make the same mistake twice so I, I learn from my mistakes okay oh, <laughs> but the, you know that was kind of what drove me to kind of get into this type of work anyways was When I look back on my own career and I'm like, man, you know, I could have retired with, you know, close to a million dollars and I didn't. Right. I, I made a lot of dumb moves with my money that I thought were smart. But that was because the sources of information I got, you know, that I was listening to were either people who, you know, hadn't done this stuff or if they did, they didn't do it successfully or they, you know, we're still taking advice from their grandparents where they're like, keep your money in your mattress. Um, (laughs) so I kind of took that as like, Hey, you know what? I didn't know what I know now. And I didn't know anybody who could help me with that stuff. And I tried to be that solution for other people who are coming up behind me. So, you know, I, I, we'll we'll get into it later. Uh, I'll once, once we uh, actually release it, um, You know, I'll kind of tell everybody about it here on the podcast, but I'm excited to do that too because I think a lot of the the mistakes that get made are because I mean, you and I know this. Like, not only it's because the service member didn't know, but the spouse, um, you know, maybe their sources of information are less than perfect too.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited to have those conversations with you, um, considering how we can you know represent different uh, perspectives. You know, you can. Uh, share the service member and veterans perspective. And I can speak on behalf of, you know, the military spouses, as well as my experience uh, being a military child. And I think the important thing, and I'm, I'm glad you want to do it via podcast style, because, um, you know, very often what I hear in the military spouse community is that they are often given a fire hose of information and PowerPoint slides. and it's a lot. It, and how do you expect to make a decision when you're given everything at once? And really with the power of, of podcasting is we're just we're, we're normalizing these conversations. Like we want this to be conversational, not a fire hose of information. So I'm glad that you know you want to um, have this show and I'm excited to uh, participate and you know add my perspective on the show with you.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, it's easier, like who wants to, you know, sit around and and read, you know, I read a lot of books, but of course I probably listen to more audio books or podcasts than I do reading books. And I just think like, yeah, that's easy. Somebody can put in their earphones, go work out, listen to you and I talk or not. They'll probably say, you know what, (laughs) I'm going to, I got to put on some of my jams first, but you know, if you're at the house doing other stuff, like you can have that playing in the background and you can always go back and listen to it again. I just, I think it's a better way to disseminate that kind of information. Like you said, like, you know, when we sit through those briefs, how much of that info do we actually retain? Like, uh, you know, I just remember (laughs) from being an instructor, they're like, you might retain 25% of it the first time. And then maybe an additional 5% every time that you hear it after that. So
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I think the, you know, the detriment or the problem to that is. Because you're given all this information at once, you just end up sticking with what you know. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? And so it is very interesting when we have worked with co- with our uh, clients, and a service member or veteran is ready to move forward with one of our solutions, but then at the very end, they bring their spouse to make a decision with them, and they're like, "Wait a minute, what are you doing?" You know, <laughs> and and they feel so misinformed, and I think almost betrayed um, because they they weren't part of that conversation or they didn't know enough to feel like they can add to the conversation. And so, you know, being able to uh, podcast and talk like this, we're really just trying to make money um, and military life, like or, or mainly money, like less intimidating and, and less of like thinking about life or death we wanna make it fun. We wanna make it conversational. We wanna normalize it. And so I'm I'm excited, you know, to do this with you and and really dive in more about really, really just being um, really diving in more to just money because even with Holding Down the Fort, it is a um, you know, it, it's a collection of resources and education and stories of anything military life. But it, with the spouse benefit plan and now, you know, with the military money mistakes, we're gonna really get into it and be like, hey. You know with money specifically the, these are the mistakes that you could make that many people make and this is what you can do to prevent those mistakes like you don't want to be like us <laughs> you know like yeah. i often you know as a gold star daughter i often say to people like you know, I hope I, I'm not trying to remind you of your mortality when I show up and talk about these things. I'm more so trying to remind you of like the the benefit you have as a spouse and a family and a veteran and a service member, you know, to be the less than 1% of people that serve to be entitled to these resources. And the more that we talk about that, the more that we validate, you know, our fellow military connected people and say, you deserve this, you deserve this, you're entitled to this. I think they're going to actually start believing it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and that's what made me think of that too. is when Mike was talking about you know the VA stuff with his wife, mm-hmm. and she just you know she just didn't understand it, right? It's how, how do you expect them to make a, a decision in a vacuum? And you know, I think part of the problem is is a lot of the sources of information that they do rely on are extremely incredible or uh, di- <laughs> what's uh, disreputable or whatever. I mean, you know. Facebook groups, right? Who Yeah, I was gonna I mean, say who,
2: like
0: yeah you know, when I when I hear people say, Well, you know, my wife's part of this Facebook group and they on they were saying on there that this this and this and I'm like, Oh my god. Yeah, you know, I, I just do the slap my face and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. right?"
2: Yeah. And, you know, to to the military spouse credit, they feel safe there. Right. And yeah. if, when you feel safe, you're more likely to receive certain information. And so what we're trying to do via podcasting and these conversations is we, we're trying to make you feel safe. Like, that's our goal. That's our job here. And that's our mission is you know, there are other outlets, <laughs> uh, maybe more credible outlets that, uh, you can actually turn to so that you can make confident and informed decisions about your money.
0: Yeah. And I, I guess that's the big thing is, is having the, the educated perspective weigh in on that thing versus, you know, cause it's, there's, there's a lot of uh, hearsay on social me- media, yeah, I,
2: I, I, I think guess anyone I, that gets their information. I mean, I'm you know, other than doing a lot of self promotional stuff nowadays, I am like not on there. <laughs> like I don't like it. It's it it just feels icky sometimes. And uh, but again, like people are more likely to receive information when they feel safe, when they feel like people understand them. And so that is the bridge that we're trying to create between military spouses and their understanding of money. And again, many times they don't understand because. You know my experience working with you and scott and our colleagues are you know you mainly speak with the veteran perspective of you know guys who didn't have a family while you were in the military so yes it's going to be difficult yes there's going to be that disconnect when the service member brings their spouse and they're like what are you doing like i don't want to do this like how dare you you know like i i get it like i i'm speaking from their perspective and i i hope that you know at least to the spouse um we can create a safe space even you know like through podcasting where you feel like you can receive our information and use it as a way to empower you rather than scare you. Because I I think that's what happens a lot, unfortunately, in these Facebook groups is there's a lot of fear. It's very fear-based. It's very like, oh, don't do that, you know? Or, oh, like, you know, you should be proud of being a spouse, you should, you know, you should really be stoic and, you know, be proud of the self-sacrifice that you and your family are doing. Like, no, like, shame on you to, like, look at your money as a way that you feel entitled to, how dare you? like. But we're here to say but you are entitled to it and so you know it's it's still trying to find that language to navigate that conversation to really just say like you do deserve this though and so we're going to do everything in our power you know and and i'm so glad that you're starting your next show uh, trevor um to to normalize these conversations and say you do deserve it and you're entitled to it Um, because again it's not just about you it's about your kids it's about the generations after that you know it's setting that example that you know, you served too, therefore you are entitled to this and you need the education to know how entitled you really are to this. And that's what we're here for.
1: <laughs> the funny thing too, is as a society, we do a horrible job at educating folks as a, you know, mature from high school to college years or going to trade schools or those types of things. You know, the, the amazing thing is, you know, you go to, you know, I, I have a master's degree, but I don't ever remember, and I know that I'm just being facetious. There, there's no class on budgeting. There's yeah. no class on uh, negotiating salary. There's no or negotiating mm-hmm. compensation, you know. But you have to go and take so many freaking electives to satisfy the degree requirements. Right. But there, but there's no like life skill which money and doing all those types of. I mean, it's such a huge part of. It evolves. I mean, a lot of things evolve around it or revolve around it, um, and hopefully evolve around it. But uh, we do a terrible job as as a society in general, and then it it gets compounded by, it's you know the resources that you have to research and understand, and the different agencies that are available to you, and the profits and the nonprofits, and the yeah. government agencies. You know, it's just it's a like I said earlier, you know, uh, but. And we don't do it, you know, in the military, we'll have, you know, an annual sexual harassment training or sexual assault training or information assurance or information awareness or, you know, uh, counterterrorism, blah, 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 blah. But yet we're not going to go, okay, listen, for half a day here, we're going to teach, everybody's going to get educated on this. And it, it could be a 101 type of class because the the vast majority of folks have no understanding of it. None, none about life insurance, none about IRAs, nothing about what your TSP is doing. We just put it in there every month and go, okay, well, let's hope it's doing something, you know, and, then it's, (laughs) you know, it's, it's terrible. And it's just, it's just, it's not misinformation. It's just the lack of education about serious, you know, and you know, you can set yourself up like Trevor said earlier if you're smart about what you do in the military and I'm I'm being a hypocrite because I wasn't one of them either but if you are smart and you're disciplined and you're strategic about what you're doing with your money from the day you enlist until the day you separate or retire you you can be seriously set up very well for your for your next you know your next career or even you know if I was smart and I did it the right way when I finished at 30 years this would be it this is all I'm doing I'm done yeah. But I wasn't smart enough. And and I have two little kids that I got to, you know, my, my wife loves private school. So God, God bless private school. You guys do great things. But so I'm, I'm stuck doing that. But, you know, it's just the, I think it's just it's great to see you all doing this because I think it's just truly a lack of education. And we just don't emphasize it and make it a, a, a truly an important goal for people to understand what they're doing
2: yeah i, w- I want to add something about uh college because i i you know my siblings and i we all uh, got bachelors fortunately thanks to chapter thirty five um and but also one thing i want to add is that people forget that um colleges are also businesses, you know, like you're tied to go to school because they want your money. You know, these professors want to keep their tenure. <laughs> like, you know, it, it, there's, there's a whole ugly, there's, there's some ugly truths about our reality and, you know, education doesn't necessarily equate to more opportunities and, you know, after, after school. Um, and then also, I think the thing I, I wanted to add is an, an ugly truth that we all have to come to realize is that maybe part of why you didn't make those smart decisions, smart decisions. I I mean, I think you made the best decisions you could, Mike, just, you know, just to your credit, (laughs) but I think it's because people want to be comfortable. People want to be taken care of. That was the best part of the military is that they took care of you. They, they were sending you places. They were, you know, like you, they would tell you what duty station to go to, what your role was going to be, you know, like you were taken care of. And so of course you're not going to you know, think in that way, you're not going to plan ahead. Um, And then also to the military spouse, even if they wanted to think about long-term stuff, they are so focused on the day-to-day of just being a military spouse, you know, in, in trying to, you know, create, establish this normal for the kids and the environment and also themselves and finding a sense of purpose in this military life. So, so I, I understand like why we overlook things like this. And that is why Trevor and I do what we do, because we want to remind you, we want to remind our military community of their blind spots, especially since we're far removed from it now. We can look at it from the outside in. And that is our advantage here at U.S. Fed Wealth. is we're not in the thick of it with you. You know, we get to observe from the outside and say, hey, you know, if I were you, this is what I would do. Um, and what I what I tend to find is that career military families are more receptive to that because, you know, they're kind of usually within the 10 to 20 year age, they are kind of deciding, OK, do we? stay do we do we do we go where young couples unfortunately it's going to take them a long time or even single single duty service members it's going to take them a long time to actually see this because you're young you're healthy you know you're in the military you get to travel like there's a lot of distractions to keep us from actually paying attention to why we signed up to begin with like financial stability (laughs) you know and eventually unfortunately stability is is a lie. <laughs> like you eventually have to transition out. And, you know, nowadays I heard a stat years ago, I'm sure it's worse now, but you know, they, they said, I think like 10 years ago that the average person has like, uh, go, goes through like six different careers in their lifetime because, you know, like, it's just hard to, we're not in the industrial age anymore where you stick at a, stay at a job for decades. Like that's just not practical. And people Pensions want- are gone. Yeah, and people want to be happy. They they eventually are unhappy with their job. So um, it's like it it is important to have this conversation, and and, and it also is it, it's also important to acknowledge why we have these blind spots and why we're here, like having these conversations and creating awareness to it to it. And we hope that for the people that eventually get sick and tired of mediocrity or sick and tired of you know just being comfortable but you know not happy like, hopefully this conversation will speak to them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you bring up great points. And as I was thinking about it, you know, reflecting back 30 years, 30 years, I didn't have to think about what I was going to wear because they told me what I was going to wear. Right. I didn't have to think about where I was going because you're right. They told me where I was going to go. I didn't think about how much I was going to make because it's in a pay chart that you can, you know, within one Google click, you can go find out what everybody's making. So I, I don't have to worry about the guy in the cubicle next to me and how much they're making, and am I being compensated, you know, uh, equally or less or whatever. You know, I didn't have to worry about how much time off I was going to get. It's thirty days a year, you know. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, here recently when I've been negotiating and and doing interviews and and trying to look at other opportunities, somebody says. Yeah, 20, you, you, uh, we offer PTO, we offer 20 days per year for, for someone at your level. And I'm like, man, that's that's a little low. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what am I what am I going to do with that? Maybe really start <laughs> thinking about it.
0: But <laughs> meanwhile, that's, you have 150 days on the books that,
1: yeah, never use. that I never used, which <laughs> yeah. is, yeah, it's counterintuitive. But then you think about it, you're like, in, in a military perspective, I'm thinking, well, hell, that's only three weeks. That yeah. sucks. Not really. It's really four weeks because- In the civilian world, you don't take Saturday and Sunday off if you're not working, you know? So you take Monday through Friday off. So it really takes a little bit to wrap your head around all this, you know, oh, what's, is this business casual? Is this this business? What what am I? What's the expectations when I go to work there? You know, it's just all these things that you were talking about earlier that we didn't think about ever. We didn't have to. Nobody, it wasn't a, you know, and it kind of brings you back to like, you know, Steve Jobs wore a black turtleneck every day. Why? Right. Because that's one less decision. He had to make it throughout the day. So that's why he wore a freaking black turtleneck
0: every day. <laughs> that's why I wear a t-shirt shorts and Crocs every day. Right. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was in Florida, uh, I don't know, heck, that was a couple months ago now. Um, I was down there talking to these guys that are getting out uh, one of my posts that I had on LinkedIn. And I was as I was sitting there talking, one of the guys there started laughing and <laughs> I was like, "What's what's up? And he goes, Mike just texted me. I was like, is is he wearing Crocs right now? (laughs) I was actually wearing shoes, which is weird, but, you know, no, it's a, you know, finding those norms, those are important. Uh, You know, I guess it's, it's weird too. I think that's a big adjustment for a lot of people when they get out of the military because you're used to, you know, you're, you're underwater and upside down and everything's on fire. Um, and then you get out and it doesn't have to be anymore. And I think a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, it's like me, if I try to sleep, I have to have some kind of background noise or I can't fall mm. asleep. Right. If it's completely quiet, I think that's kind of the equivalent of that as you get out and there's no more background noise and you don't really know what to do. Um, you know, or, you know, one of my other favorite analogies to that is, um, that scene in that movie Step Brothers where Will Farrell's talking to his therapist and he's like, I need you to teach me how to be an adult. Right? <laughs> Do I walk around with my high school diploma or or or
2: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's a mind F. I'm not gonna say the F word, but you know, it's you
0: can. This is a yeah, Oh, we, okay.
2: I, I can say it. Yeah. yeah. We usually it,
1: try to get one token one in at least okay, just to cool. validate ourselves.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I was a Navy kid. So, you know, definitely picked up the sailor's mouth. It's a mind Transition is a mind fuck, you know, for yeah. everyone, the service member, the spouse, the kids. And, uh, and that's partly again, why we do what we do at us fit wealth is like, well, wouldn't it be great if the last thing you had to worry about was your money? Like at least like, so that you can take the time to mentally emotionally spiritually transition into post-military life. And unfortunately, again, um, I hear, we hear this all the time. There's just this lack of information or there's way too much information where you just have this, you're just paralysis by analysis. You don't do anything. um, Wouldn't it be
0: nice if somebody did that homework for, (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
2: And so the beauty of what we're doing here is to normalize these conversations. It doesn't always have to go from zero to 100, you know, it doesn't always have to be so intense or nothing or the opposite of intense I don't I can't think of it of the word right now but like you know yeah just having these normal conversations or normalizing the conversations so that I think I think people feel safer about studying like really actually studying what they're what they are entitled to what their military benefits are because um, again at the end of the day this isn't about money this is about your loved ones this is about the time you could spend with them and the time you can re-explore yourself and and, you know, rediscover who you want to be when you quote unquote, grow up in a post-military life. And it would be helpful, I believe, if money wasn't an issue. Like, I think that, I mean, you know, it's interesting because my mom, to my knowledge, we actually were doing all right financially when we lost my dad, but she didn't have the financial literacy to like, you know, manage the money right. And unfortunately she was one of the victims of the you know 2008 economic crash and getting into real estate at the wrong time and so you know she struggled for a very long time and and unfortunately I had to put myself in debt to support her because she was 11 credit cards maxed out <laughs> from doing the things that she did and so I think it's just if we have if we could just have these consistent conversations you know to not make money so scary and 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 to not make it feel so icky because I know that most people don't want to feel like they want to most people don't want to think that they're a gold digger or they're, you know, selfish or just in it for the money. It's truly more than that. Like you have to see it beyond that. And um, yeah, and here we are, we're just, we're going to continue to talk it out until we can find the verbiage where it makes sense (laughs) to, you know, for you guys to safely, uh, you know, to have confidence in listening to us and more importantly, making those empowering decisions, uh, financial decisions for you and your family.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the good thing about kind of being 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 entrepreneurs and, and kind of doing things that you want to do yeah there's a lot of tough times that come with it um you know we talked about one of our other episodes the three-year desert but it also gives you the the ability to put uh, people and and purpose over profits and and yeah. you know be a little more altruistic if that's what, because that's you know I I got to that point where I I reached a point in my Navy career where I I hit that point. And I think it was when Mike came in, I was, I was sitting on a, a, uh, I think it was a senior or a master board and and Mike and our old skipper came in and told me that I had made senior chief. And it was like, as soon as he told me that, bam, I just had this foot. It was like, you know what? I don't, I don't have any more upward mobility. Mm. Uh, And I was kind of like, what, you know, what can I do, you know, to kind of, make things better for other folks. And it's just kind of the same thing after I got out. I love, I mean, I do a a ton of volunteering. Um, You know, this morning I was sitting down with the guy that I'm coaching through uh, the Honor Foundation, Earl, and he's crushing it. He's already got like four or five job offers. I'm pretty sure if he's not the honor grad this time, (laughs) I don't know what to do. But I mean, me and him spend, you know, he called me at like 10 at night. Hey, I got a question to ask you. Oh shit, I forgot it's 10 at night. And I'm like, no worries, what's up? Uh, but you know, you, you get, you get a lot of personal satisfaction from that and you know, that's good. We don't, we don't have a big, you know, company line to toe or anything like that. And so,
2: yeah, uh, I think like that's, it's important to have a sense of purpose and a really good book that talks about that is tribe by Sebastian Younger. Um, oh, I, am, yeah. I am obsessed with that book. I mean, the thing, the biggest thing that we tend to find that veterans, uh, struggle with is a lack of purpose and, and also like feeling like they are part of something greater than themselves, that they're part of a common goal. And it's really difficult to find that, you know, the military is such a unique place where like everyone literally has to get along and work together. And, you know, as hard as it had been, Um, there's that sense of purpose, like part of why, you know, part of why I'm so grateful for podcasting, for example, um, is during the pandemic, it was really, it was really easy to feel purposeless, you know, but because I was able to have so many conversations with people in the military community, um, and hearing what they're doing to, you know, plow through this pandemic, it made me feel purposeful, knowing that I could amplify their mission, and, and what they're doing to be purposeful, it made me feel purposeful. And so that's something that, we want to encourage is that this is, this is beyond money. It's about persi- like having a sense of purpose, having a sense of camar- camaraderie again. And there's so much to go through mentally, uh, spiritually, and emotionally to get to that place, but you can't get there if you're worried about money. <laughs> you know, I, I know yeah. this wasn't intended to be a money conversation, but obviously that's kind of where I'm coming from uh, right now and, and the work that we do, but it is important. It, it's, it's, money doesn't have to be icky. It doesn't have to be an icky conversation.
0: Well, when you when you start looking at as like a, you know, it's a it's a resource. It's not like a a mechanism that should cause you a lot of stress and anxiety, right? But it's like, how do you do that? And I think part of the problem is is too many people operate, you know, their finances based off of their feelings instead of their knowledge. And you know, we kind of have this thing like there's a lot of other people out there that do this stuff. The thing that really makes me mad are I get it. I know there's some psychology behind all this stuff, but the people who put the primary focus on the psychology, like, oh, this is what people are going to do anyways. Like, that's, we don't, like, especially people who are in the military, you know, when I was a young, brand new guy on, on, you know, Mike's team, when he was my team chief, Mike didn't say, hey, you know, just go do whatever you feel is best, right? Because I didn't know shit at the time, right? So he, <laughs> he taught us how to do this stuff. And then we went out and did it. And if we didn't do it right, he was there to say, hey, right. here's where you went wrong. Or better yet, hey, let me ask you, where what do you think you did good? And what do you think you could do better the next time, right? And so that's kind of like the same attitude that I want to bring to this. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, if you... You know, you don't want to do the things that you're that you feel are the best if you don't already know that that's what's best, too. I get it. Yeah, you have to be able to, to go to sleep at night knowing that you're doing the best thing for yourself. But, you know, if that's based off of, you know, your grandparents' views, you know, who lived through the, the Great Depression, then, you know, you're obviously not doing the best thing.
2: Yeah. And I think it's important like to, and I'm just, I'm just thinking about this because I recently had an article come out about the spouse benefit plan. And I was thinking about like what I wrote for it and, you know, the draft ended what in like the 1970s. Right. And so part of the way that people would entice people to join the military was through all these benefits <laughs> and, and like all these entitlements. And so, um, and so again, it's important to be aware of you know, what you're entitled to. Um, and, and yeah, there is, there is, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? Like there, there is a, a, a reward to volunteering to put your life on the line and, and, you know, for your family and for our nation. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, yeah, I think this is a, a good conversation guys.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you bring up a great point because I used to have a guy that worked with me at the schoolhouse and he would say that the military is one of, the true tickets to the middle class. So when right. you come from Appalachia, or you come from the ghetto or you, you don't get your college or you don't get your high school diploma and you get, you know, GED and you come in, you know, you can still, you're, you're making six figures with a, with a GED easily in the military. If you want to do that, if you want to stay in and, and stay that long, if you, if you want to go the officer route, well, you're, you're probably going to be set up even better, you know, from a salary perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think you know, having this, made that decision 30 years ago and what I did, I don't regret it at all because I lacked um, I lacked purpose, I lacked mm-hmm. direction in my life. Um, I didn't know, you know and, and you you take the risk of you know what I need to get the hell out of Parkersburg, West Virginia because I kind of see the writing on the wall and I don't want my dad to get me a job at GE plastics because, I remember going there as a little kid, and it smelled, and it was noisy, and I had to wear a hard hat that probably didn't even fit my big head back then, as a little kid, and it just sucked, and I just couldn't see myself doing that and staying there. So, I think the military has provided me and my family as well with you know great opportunities, and and like you said, and, and I think you know it, it's. Yeah, I do get on here and talk crap about the Navy sometimes and the, <laughs> my, my troubles and tribula- my trials and tribulations with the Navy. but you know, overall re- in, re- in reflection, I think it's been phenomenal. and I also want to, you know talk about you know the, the sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I still, and I'm not a psychologist and I, my master's is nowhere near in that area, but I still think the greatest contributing factor or one of the leading causes of veteran suicide, is when people get away from concentration areas such as Norfolk or, or Fort Bragg or Camp Pendleton or wherever, and they go back to middle America and there's next to no one there that understands what they've been doing for the past three years, five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, there, there's literally 99 other people walking around and you're the only one that's done that. So yeah. it's very hard for them to relate. And, and I think- you know, what we're all doing, all three of us here and to include Scott and your husband is giving back and staying within the network and still finding purpose. And I think that's a lot of the things that are missing from middle America, you know, and, and they, they just don't have that anymore. And when it's, yeah. you know, and it's, it's such a void mm-hmm. when it's not there because nobody understands right. what you're talking about. Yeah, Nobody's experienced what you've experienced and those types of things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I want to add on to what you're saying about Middle America and uh, Appalachia. Part of the reason why I've been obsessively studying um, just the history of it, like uh, Hillbilly Elegy, as you mentioned. And there's also a documentary called Hillbilly. And uh, there's a book I'm about to read called Dreamland. And um, on Hulu, by the way, there's a documentary uh, called Dope Sick, which is about the opioid epidemic. Uh, Really good stuff. But the reason why I I really connect with uh, the mountains is because it's very similar to the immigrant story. Uh, my my parents are far, were farmers. They come from a yeah, they come from a lineage of farmers in the Philippines. And uh, before I used to romanticize the fact that they were farmers. It was like, oh, they had all this land, food was probably limitless. But the truth is that it was hard. It was hard. Like they, they had food insecurities. Uh, my dad had to actually drop out of school because he needed to help support the family. And you know, thank goodness for the military. Thank goodness that, you know, the Navy was uh, available to him in the 80s and 90s. He was able to join, you know, brought my mom with him. Um, I was born in Yokosuka, uh, Japan Naval Base as an American and, you know, I, I wouldn't have all these um, you know, as difficult as obviously as difficult as it was to be a gold star family member, you know, my life would have been so different if I was born and raised in the Philippines. And so just that struggle of, you know coming out of poverty, the military, like you said, it, it creates these opportunities to be at least middle class, you know for the to say the least. And um, you know, having been twenty years removed and now working with Trevor and Scott, like, I'm so grateful to be in this space because, you know, the greatest gift I feel like my dad had given me serving um, is that sense of purpose is knowing is, is to be a part of something that is greater than yourself and to be a part of a community. And what better community than the military community? So I'm super grateful, you know, to to be here today and to con- continue to give back and, you know, share my story and and our family's story um, and, you know, find the similarities with my, with my mountaineers, as you guys were describing and, and also what my family ha- uh, had experienced in the Philippines.
0: Yeah. Well, as somebody who did, uh, I'm the person Mike was talking about, you know, I, I had my GED, my good enough diploma and, uh, <laughs> I they, had a
1: PhD nice. my public high school diploma.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> nice. it's fu- it's funny. I don't know. Maybe I've told this story on here. Maybe I haven't. But, you know, I, I went to the Mountaineer Challenge Academy, which I was lucky enough to go back there a couple of weeks ago and, and kind of give back to them and talk about some of the stuff we'll cover in the military money mistakes. I went up there and talked to all these kids. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's like a National Guard program where they do like six months of Army boot camp and they have school in there. And uh, I, you know, said, hey, I I would love to come up there and talk to the cadets and teach them like some basic stuff for when they get out, uh, just to hopefully give them another skill set that they can start to use. And, you know, they can reach out to me anytime they want for questions. Um, But, yeah, I I went through there, got my good enough diploma, and I had to go do some college classes to get into the Navy uh, because I had a really good ASVAB score, but they were like, hey, still got a GED. so. I went to college there at Fairmont State, um, now Fairmont State University was Fairmont State College at the time. But uh, I had a real interesting classmate with me um, in one of my algebra classes. Uh, my dad. I actually took a college class with oh, wow. my dad because my dad, who had you know gone to Vietnam, did his time in the Air Force, got out, went and worked for the phone company running phone lines all over West Virginia. And then he got a job in the coal mines, right? My generation is the first one to where none of us have worked in the mines. Um, wow. His, was like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, he worked in the coal mines for, for 23 years and he got laid off and he said, well, I can sit around and wait for the call to come back to work or I can, you know, go retrain. And, you know, that was, you think that's not a big transition, <laughs> Working in the coal, you know, he had a, he had a high school diploma. He, you know, went and worked in the, in the mines for all those years. So now he's got to go to college. Uh, So he went to school to, um, I think he got his uh, bachelor's in, in uh, aviation maintenance, basically. Mm -hmm. And so some of his core classes, yeah, we had an algebra class together. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah. I I always think about that. But uh yeah, I I I'm that guy that, that Mike was just talking about. I have my GED, I took took a few college classes, went in, came in, you know, got to that point where I uh, you know, I, I thought I was gonna be a, you know, a pink, you know, a pink mist on the side of a road in Iraq or something. Um, but then I got to the point where I was 35 with a wife and two kids, and I was like, Well shit, what do I do now? Right. And got to that, that level he's talking about. And now I'm, you know, continuing that and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy ride, but it's, I think the, the folks that do volunteer and do it, you know, we keep saying like, you're entitled to this, you're entitled to that, but that doesn't mean there's not a cost associated with it. Right. (laughs) Like I couldn't tell you how many times I've almost been killed. You know, I've been wounded a couple of times. I've had some really scary, uh moment i'm not a very good jumper like i love skydiving but i'm not very good at it um so i've had a few scary scary moments there but uh yeah i definitely paid something for it (laughs) and 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 so does everybody else who goes through there right there's a lot of sacrifices you make to get the things that they they call entitlements it's you know i i kind of feel like that's not an accurate description of the stuff you're buying it it's just you know, maybe you're not paying cash for it. So. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's great that, um, you know, you're talking about this and, you know, you both doing this show and being so candid about your service and your epiphanies now, you know, post-military life. And it is important to, you know, bring light to these because our service members and military families need to know um, what they really are entitled to. I I almost want to try to figure out another word, like, you are like, like this is your birthright, <laughs> you know, like this is, I almost, I want to find a word that intense for, for, you know, them to know that you need to know what your birthright is and what to do with it. Because um, otherwise, you know, you really, you, you kind of, I don't know, I don't know how else to say about that. It's like, what? It, like the other option is a lack of purpose in post-military life, you know, a lack of being, you know, a lack of community, a lack of There's a, you know, just there's just so much um, mental health issues that could come if you do not like intentionally um, look at the benefits that you rightfully earned. It is your birthright as a military connected person, whether service member, spouse, kid, to look into these things. You know, one thing I want to share, too, is that the crazy thing is I I literally didn't know that I was a gold star daughter till a couple of years ago when I started working with Scott because after, um, after we transitioned out, we pretty much didn't talk about dad ever again. We, you know, mom was just so focused on, uh, raising us and I literally had no idea. And in the recent years, when I came to that realization, um, you know, I didn't realize there was also resources to gold star family members. And so I have been fortunate to benefit from them despite, despite sort of the, the like the not shame, but I I felt like I didn't deserve it because I was already 20 years removed. And the reality is like, no, I I did. And I'm claiming it. And that's very much what I have learned to do. And I think that there's sort of this, again, working past that ego, that pride of self-sacrifice to be like, no, but you do, you are entitled to this. Um, And so, so yeah. And if we have to talk in circles (laughs) to, to, you know, keep repeating ourselves to let you know that you're entitled to it, then so be it. We're going to talk, talk about this for as long as we can podcast, and as long as as long as you're listening,
0: I think maybe like you're. I, I kind of look at it as like you're getting your money's worth out of it.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. But yeah. even though you maybe you're not actually paying money, it's just sacrifices that you've made or or you know hardships you've endured to kind of yeah.
2: It's get- like you're getting your life back. You're getting the life you deserve. You're getting like. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, again, there, I know that, I know that we're going to have a continual conversation about this and hopefully we'll have that language that, you know, could really speak to our, you know, military connected people emotionally to see you do deserve this and you should look into it. And you may not understand it because it's very government jargon and it's a lot, it's a fire hose of information. And that's why you have people such as us to help you interpret that um, and understand it and, and really use it to your benefit
1: yeah i think folks just need to and it's really easy when you're in the forest you know you, you know you can't see the forest, you can't see the forest because of the trees mm-hmm. saying you know you don't really understand a lot of times the sacrifice that you're doing you know when you're gone for months and you know sometimes like a year or you know what toll that takes on on families and and those types of things so i said it i think in my retirement speech you know the, the navy's going to get their pounds of flesh from you. So be smart, get educated and understand where your pound of flesh is to get back from them because you've earned it.
0: All right. Well, I know we've been going we've been this is a uh, we this is one of those episodes where we get rolling and and keep going for a while so
2: I did lose internet for a little bit. So. Yeah,
0: but we'll Not we'll really. we'll wrap it up. So Jen, uh where what's the best place everybody can get in touch with you?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, you could check out our podcast, holding down the fort our website is holding It's long, but I think it's easy to spell. And when you go there, you'll be able to see all of my contact information. Um, also, if you want to check out our new podcast show, uh, a new initiative for us vet wealth, uh, check out the Uh, this is a developing project. So we constantly are adding, uh, resources to this website. So go ahead and check that out, but you'll be able to find all my contact information on either of those websites.
0: And then probably after the first of the year, uh, you know, I I know we're doing a lot of stuff kind of working on all the back end of our, you know, the business there. Uh, You can also, hopefully you'll catch me and Jen uh, discussing military money mistakes. So make sure you look out for that connect with Jen on LinkedIn and uh, anything else that you want to put out there before we sign off.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, And again, just kudos to you both for, uh, having done the show so consistently and having these conversations very candid and normalizing them and I'm just happy to add to it so thanks for the opportunity and you know Trevor you're great to work with so thank you for working with Scott and I
0: <laughs> Yeah. well I appreciate the opportunity and we appreciate you coming on here and and sharing your knowledge and experience with us My pleasure Great talking with you
1: today Jen yeah,
2: thanks for thanks being on me.
0: All right have a good one everybody Thank you for listening to the get to vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at get That's Get, the number two, vet.net. And let us help you get to vet.